so we cut from the rose throne shot. We see Fiore's face, and then we cut to a stationary shot of like a billboard advertising a tuxedo sale. And the I thought the it was figures, a storefront. I thought it was a storefront so of like just mannequins. See later. Um, I see. Okay. <laughs> the one of the one of the tuxedo wearing figures in the front has a conspicuous mask and cape, and he steps. <laughs> he steps forward out of in front of the sign to reveal that it's tuxedo it's always, mask. It's always a fun <laughs> exercise, putting oneself in Mamoru's head, being like, "Oh, hmm, my girlfriend and like the person I'm destined to be with is getting her ass kicked." There's this billboard over here. And welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by uh, Movie Struck alumni, the the man from our episode one, Noir, uh, and also you may know him as Virla in Rolling with Difficulty, everyone's favorite robot wizard. Noir, welcome to the Hello. show. <laughs> hey. Yeah, glad glad to be back on this. This is like the the one year anniversary. Uh, yeah, this pod, is, right? Yeah, episode. I've been doing this for a year. You were you were what kicked Ooh. us all off here, and now you're uh, symbolically coming back for what is approximately one year of movie struck episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited to have you back on. Um, glad very to be excited back. to not be watching Rubber this time. So that's a win yeah. for Sophia. <laughs> it was a the first episode was was my trial by fire to you, but now mm-hmm. we can relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one year later and actually watch and talk about something that we both enjoy immensely yes, uh, and as we I... have been for like the last four or so months yes yeah, so i only have one question for you and then as i often do for guests on the show and then i'll and then we'll kind of launch into the background of maybe the two of ours uh context for this movie but uh noir <laughs> why did we watch sailor moon R the movie colon promise of the rose <laughs> so uh I guess all of this kind of started with, uh, I, I guess, friend of the podcast, Blue and Cyan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were getting, they're getting, they were getting married last October, and then, but in the months leading up to it, we knew that you would be staying over with me mm-hmm. and uh, other friend of the podcast, Raj, were roommates. Um, He's yeah. he was on the Akira episode. Akira, yeah. yeah. And then also also Patrick, who did Van Helsing. Yes, uh, we were all going to be like staying together. In that apartment that yeah. Night. <laughs> yeah, we were all just like staying in the same apartment uh, after the wedding. Uh, you were, you guys were leaving the next day, but in the months leading up, you were like, "Oh hell yeah, boys' night! We're watching all the shoujo anime or whatever, <laughs> uh, starting with Sailor yes. Moon." Yes. And so this was like, it was either Halloween night or the night after Halloween night. Uh-huh. I don't remember. Uh, where we basically just binged like. 10 to 15 episodes of Sailor <laughs> of the first season of Sailor Moon oh, and it yeah. was like in it, it was an injection of shoujo like straight to the veins mm-hmm. and then since then we've been we've been like watching five or so episodes every week and we've been pretty yeah. fucking consistent yeah and so uh when you came to me about this podcast uh the the one year anniversary one we had just finished season 2 and there just so happened to be a movie that coincided that mm-hmm. like timeline wise in the anime coincided with the end of season two i was like oh this is perfect we can watch the movie and it can count as part of our sailor moon uh viewing uh exactly. and you get more content from it because you get to uh make an episode of movie stroke out of it so <laughs> yes and I get that's to watch why i chose the it movie 
Which, uh, for, yeah. to kind of give some background, I grew up watching Sailor Moon. It was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I was a big Magical Girl fan. Uh, but this was your first exposure to it has been us watching it yeah. through, you know, yeah. five five episodes a week very consistently. Um, but mm-hmm. this is the first time I've watched one of the movies. I just They just never aired when I was watching it as a kid. And I never went back right, and right. saw them. So this was this was a treat for me as well because it's kind of like new Sailor Moon <laughs> content, you know? <laughs> despite coming out yeah, in 1993. It, it, but it, it very much followed a lot of... Yeah. It's weird because like when you think of movie adaptations from stuff that was TV shows, you think of like bigger adventure mm-hmm. uh, or like something that's like world-threatening in which like this scrappy young band of uh previous like comic comedy heroes or whatever from this tv show but it's just like another longer episode of sailor moon yeah. but like in all of the in like all of the best ways though so. <laughs> it's got all of the key elements that were we've had a lot of time it, to it, analyze yeah. the structure yeah. of a sailor moon episode <laughs> this hit all of the key elements we were looking for mm-hmm. is this just a backdoor yeah. pilot for our sailor moon podcast oh uh, <laughs> I don't know, but we we'll we'll kind of touch on some of the, I think those like key moments as we get to them in the plot. Oh, this absolutely. is one of the shorter movies we've talked about uh, on the podcast, but I think I have a I have got a lot of notes for it <laughs> despite that. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say as well. Yeah, the uh, the movie is around an hour ish, and if I remember, this mm. podcast uh, episodes usually run about an hour ish. So if we really wanted to, <laughs> we could just running. do a radio play of it, and that'd be it. Yeah, you we'll know. Just, uh, but... Let me just pull up a PDF script of Sailor yeah, exactly. Moon, our the movie uh, Promise of the Rose. I think it's important that we always <laughs> use the full title because I really think that it's the yeah. most words. Sailor Moon R colon Promise of the Rose. Sailor Moon R the movie colon Promise of the Rose. Oh my goodness! My mistake. Nineteen ninety three. Close parentheses. <laughs> okay yes 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 uh so we well, well, let's, let's just jump into it let's jump into it let's talk yeah. about ostensibly what we're here to talk about and uh fangirl yeah. along the way uh so we open with a lot of like really great retro anime logos um and also kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. as a note we did watch this in the dub we usually watch the the series yeah. in the su- uh in the sub but the version of the movie mm-hmm. we found was dubbed I guess we could have found a dub, uh, a sub version, but yeah. the one that we found is free on YouTube. So yeah, you know. the dub cast was good. This is like good enough, except for maybe like one notable exception that I was. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Oh, I, I wasn't even aware. I was I was pleasantly surprised with ev- with everyone's like dubbing performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, our boy Rob, Robbie Damon, Damon. as a tuxedo <laughs> mask, of course. Uh, How could we ever, you know? But yeah. Noir and I do have a favorite character, and I think it's going to be very obvious who that character is after about 10 minutes. Um, yeah. So we get a little bit of a, a kind of standard Sailor Moon episode opening. It's the recap of what's happening, but instead of the recap of the mm-hmm. previous episode, this just sort of covers off on, like, who the main roster of characters is. We meet Usagi, a.k.a. Sailor Moon, just a normal mm-hmm. middle school girl who happens to have moon powers, and the other right. Sailor Scouts, uh, Ami, a.k.a. Sailor Mercury, Ray, aka Sailor Mars, Makoto, aka Sailor Jupiter, and Minako, aka Sailor Venus. Um, there's a number mm-hmm. of other characters that will appear in the movie, as movies often have. We'll cover them off when we get to them. <laughs> right, right, right. After this little spiel, uh, a rose slowly falls into darkness as <laughs> the iconic Sailor Moon theme song kicks up for the title sequence of, again, what up until now feels like just a regular episode of Sailor Moon. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if you picked up on this. I feel like some of the music did have slightly different either vocals or instrumentation, though, because yes. it was the same melodies, yeah. but they just sounded a little bit different than a regular episode would have. Yeah, they definitely, like, 
that it's like the same vibe of like a remastered video game having ostensibly the same melodies and soundtrack but like mm-hmm. punched up with like a full live orchestra and yeah. chip tune or something like that uh it, it very much is still like the vibe of sailor moon it's literally like the same songs <laughs> but as you said they added like vocals or whatever and it just i don't know either it's the mixing or just like mm-hmm. the fact that like the animation as well there was like yeah. a huge like improvement obviously because of movie versus a tv show budget wise uh everything just looked a little like flashier and and polish i suppose and it was really cool to see <laughs> indeed indeed so we kind of go from that into the title sequence sailor moon theme song uh we see all of the scouts plus chibiusa who is a child so they don't really give any context to the movie because this would have happened mid-season two which is when a yeah. child fell from the sky and pulled a gun on sailor moon and then just became part of the gang which is kind of like the really mediocre way of describing her um yeah She's got pink hair, pigtails, and while her voice actor does a really admirable job, I think this is the one part where I'm like, oh, dubs are tough, because it's really oh, hard to dub a child's voice, <laughs> just in general. I uh, I, in retrospect, I would agree with you. She's so she's in the movie for so little time that yeah. honestly, I, I didn't even notice it, though. <laughs> Indeed. She, got two, she looks a lot like Usagi, our main character, except with pink mm-hmm. hair and a slightly shorter version of the same haircut. Her name is also Usagi, so they, Usagi, they shortened it to yeah. Chibiusa as a nickname. Yeah. That's a spoiler for the end of season two. You if you want to go back, guess where that <laughs> you plot can probably line is guess going. where that's yeah. going. Um, a child from the future with the exact same name as Usagi? What? <laughs> Whoa. Um, oh. They all go on a little tour bus and meet uh, Marmoro, a.k.a. Tuxedo Mask, oh at the Botanical oh. Gardens. <laughs> My man. What a- I know, uh, and a new fit. They all had. Yes. They all have new fits. They all have yes. new fits. Uh, but Mamoru in particular, we have been t- keeping a tally of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how many new outfits we see. Uh, <laughs> spo- spoiler alert, I guess Mamoru is is tuxedo mask. He and Usagi Sailor Moon are like destined and fated to be with each other. So yes, the audience just is expected to sort of. Uh, be okay with the fact that they're together they're they're dating yeah stuff they're, like that. They're, they're together they're dating yeah. it's faded romance what have you he's the he's the mm-hmm, earth prince exactly. and she's the moon princess it's some nonsense it, yeah yeah um yeah the, i wanted to i'm glad you caught out the fits because the outfits in this movie are they're so good the sailor moon standard they're great every single one of the casual yeah. fits i'm like ooh, that's give me give me mm-hmm. all that good 90s fashion <laughs> oh plus just like the 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 animation and stuff like that it's just mm-hmm. in such great detail it's beautiful. Uh, as they gather at the botanical gardens, the theme comes to an end, and we fade to black. And from that black, a door opens up onto a rooftop, where one boy runs over to another and holds out a rose. <laughs> the other boy takes it, chuckles, and promises to return with flowers for his gifter someday. And that first boy is left standing on the roof, crying, as the second boy turns into a bunch of sparkles. We fade away from that flashback. <laughs> <laughs> we fade away from that flashback to present day Marmoreau, aka Robbie Damon, as the uh, <laughs> voice of the young boy who turned into dust echoing in his mind morphs into that of Usagi talking about uh, Forget-Me-Not, a flower that they're both very dramatically looking at in a series of close-ups mm-hmm. they always kept cutting back to, and I swear is just the same shot over and over again. In they medium. needed to pad it out just a little bit because they realized bit. if they if they didn't pad it out, it would basically just be the same length as a regular episode. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as the, in media res, Usagi is talking about the forget-me-not, which she explains symbolizes true love. And as she sort of finishes explaining this, we leave the Marmoro close-up that we've been in and enter the two-shot mm-hmm. where Usagi is waiting for a kiss. And they take the opportunity to have Marmoro um, cut through a bunch of different more progressively progressively more more awkward poses as he tries to decide what to do (laughs) the way that i was interpreting that was that he was like making sure that no one else was watching which is important like two seconds later yeah uh but like they definitely it's weird because it, it works like an episode but there are two distinct uh instances of characterization that differ just ever so slightly from the TV show. Mm-hmm. One, in which Mamoru says, wow, Soggy, you sure know a lot, or something <laughs> along those lines. And, for, and the first thought that ran in my head was like, Usagi, the first thing that we learn about Usagi, besides her being like constantly late to school, mm-hmm. uh, is that she is very much not the smartest. She gets she gets uh, impressively low scores on, on her tests. Um, yeah, and so I thought that was very sweet on Mamoru's yeah. part to... <laughs> To you kind know, of give her that one. She's got her special interest that, like, she does actually know that her is stuff true. on. And Flowers checks out because that kind of feels like. I'm amazed we haven't seen an evil flower shop yet in a Monster of the Week episode. So the fact that we've made it to this movie and it's just now becoming yeah. an evil flower thing is really, yeah. honestly, quite impressive on the path of the show. I mean, there was. Season two, the begin, the first half of season two, did revolve around sort of a life giving slash stealing plant thingy Mm. but it was more it was a tree it wasn't a flower and i don't recall any i don't recall any episodes yeah as you said that had to deal with like flowers specifically like so yeah maybe they were just saving it for the movie saving it all for sailor moon are the movie promise of the rose because it came out in 1993 uh and as so as marmo goes in for the kiss we hear the the chibiusa voice (laughs) interject and this is i think why it threw me so much because i was like oh man that is an adult pretending to be a child right there uh she interjects Lurking behind one of the nearby plant displays in this greenhouse, watching Usagi and Marmoro, she's like, oh, my Marmoro! Uh, and as we sort of pan out from that, we see that she's sitting on the shoulders of Ray, uh, and we pan even further out and see that the rest of the girls are there as well, spying on their good friend, Usagi. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, it's it's just a little great piece of, like... The, the thing that I love absolutely about Sailor Moon mm. is the character moments, because they all have... They all they all have very distinct archetypal uh, personalities, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you, you put it in like a put some like fuzz on it and have it be made in nineteen ninety three or whatever. I don't know. It works for me. It it just clicks yeah. for me. I guess if it would be made today, I guess I might think that it might be a little cheesy or uh, too stereotypical. Mm. But that'd be kind of saying like, um, that'd be kind of that'd be like if uh, one were to say that like Frankenstein is too stereotypical because ooh he makes a monster or whatever like no yeah this is this is this is the this is the milestone I mean, there's the always a reason the way. that things become iconic or blueprints for future iterations and i oh, think the yeah. one thing that sailor moon does incredibly well even compared to other magical girl shows of the time is its characterization of its main five-man band. You know, like, they are filling the yeah. roles you expect. You've got your Lancer and Ray and your smart guy and Ami, yeah. but they're more interesting characters and the way that they interact with each other is not um, 
mm-hmm. not always necessarily predictable. Like, yes, the power of friendship is going to win, but, you know, maybe the problem of the episode is going to be some sort of inter-character drama, or maybe it's going to be a weird team-up episode or what have you. Um, and those dynamics always just seem to work out in a way that feels very natural. I think there was, I read an interview yeah. with the manga coffer, uh Sailor Moon, where she's described it as like, yeah, I just wrote girls I wanted to be friends with. And I think that that attitude <laughs> towards the, the girl gang that we have really shines through because yeah. they are, they just feel like real friends in a way that sometimes yeah. these assembled like teams in, in this and in other like shonen as well, sometimes feel like mm, this is just plot relevant characters you gathered together who otherwise would never interact. You know, they just, they just wouldn't yeah. be friends. So we get like this, like I, if for me, it felt like, like, an amazing eternity of them just kind of like trying to like push and shove each other into, <laughs> yes. c- to keep each other from like keeping quiet and letting themselves be known to Usagi yes, and Mamoru. They're trying, they're trying yeah. to lurk. Ami, the smart one, is like, we shouldn't, guys, we shouldn't be spying, but they're all like, well, you're here too. So, haha, we know you nosy. <laughs> uh, and Chibiusa yeah. tries to like call out and interrupt Usagi and Marmoro as the girls try and keep her from, you know, doing child antics. Uh, but this kind of roughhousing behind the <laughs> greenhouse shelf that they're yeah. they're hiding behind does attract Marmoro's attention who puts his hands straight up and like like the <laughs> like the monitor in Spider-Verse flying straight off the side of the screen just fully slides out of the frame not my circus not my not monkeys. my circus not my monkeys leaving Usagi uh waiting for her kiss uh she takes mm-hmm. a, a very long time as we go into a close up on her uh on awaiting a kiss that's not coming before she realizes what's up and opens her eyes to a spooky caterpillar wielded by Chibiusa right in her face. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, where's Marmoro? Where is he? Where is he, you ask, audience? He's outside. He's gone to look wistfully over the sea of flowers in this botanical garden. <laughs> and as he does so, the fountain in the garden uh, stops fountaining, spurting water, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and mm-hmm. petals begin to rain faintly down from the sky. The girls catch up with him outside as this spectacle continues, the sky getting just a little bit darker and more ominous. Amidst all of this, another man appears in the field of flowers, uh, similarly color-paletted yeah. to the, the child from earlier. <laughs> oh, geez, who could this be? <laughs> What's this? Rose petals are falling from the sky, and then this mysterious man enters in similar way to how this young boy left. I, something that we didn't mention is that, okay, I guess Mamoru is this other hero tuxedo mask. He's a mm-hmm. guy in a tuxedo and a mask. It's very straightforward. Yes. His other motif is roses. Uh, yes, he in, in throws roses and that's his, like, his, his, his calling card to indicate that mm-hmm. he has arrived. Um, so I guess we should... I should have known at least when upon seeing the movie title <laughs> Sailor Moon are the movie Cole and Promise of the Rose parentheses 1993 uh, that it was a Mamoru themed episode yes. uh, but this this here where the rose petals start falling from the sky uh, really kind of hammers it all in oh yeah there's it's I love the characterization in Sailor Moon there is absolutely <laughs> nothing subtle about the plot no. uh, <laughs> So this mysteriously, similarly color-paletted dude appears. He's like, hey, Marmoro, it's me. But Marmoro doesn't seem to recognize him. The guy starts Mm -hmm. casually striking up a conversation, uh, soldiering on through the gang's visible confusion, explaining that he has finally found the perfect flower, (laughs) which Marmoro still seems very confused about. He's like, America, explain. 
uh, this mystery man asks if Marmoreau has forgotten the promise they made, and clearly Marmoreau does, but the conversation gets progressively more um, lacking in a heterosexual explanation <laughs> as it goes on. <laughs> I couldn't even get it out. This has been a, this has been a trend that we've yes. noticed uh, yes. as the seasons go on. Um, there is a reason by season three, they, is so popular they, with the LGBTQIA yeah. community. <laughs> yeah. By season three, they've, they've thrown out all subtext entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as, from what I from what I understand, um, the original American dub has had had you know tried to cover yes. that up, but then by like the two thousand fourteen to two thousand seventeen uh, Viz dub, which is what essentially this dub is, mm-hmm. um, they've reverted back to something that's more honest to what was in, uh, initially intended, I believe. Um, yeah, if you watch the the sub version um, in the original U.S. dub, they there are two scouts added later on in the season who are in a romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, and they're both women. And the original American dub is like, what if they were cousins instead of dating? And it's like, mm, that's rough, buddy. It just made so, it weird. It just made it like, weirder. Because they didn't the, change the, the animation. The chemistry, is clearly, <laughs> the chemistry is clearly there. And then all of a sudden they drop a line. It's like, yeah, my cousin and I. I'm like, eh, what? Um, yeah. But uh, in this movie, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's actually called, in this movie, in the in the Viz dub, it's it's not washed. What? Wash over, uh, written over. It's it's all uh, mm-hmm. avert, um, and I, they indicate to us that this conversation is getting progressively gayer by adding in a saxophone riff to the background and yeah, having yeah, even yeah. Usagi pick up on like the weirdly romantic undertones of the conversation. She gets she gets jealous of this like extremely uh, chemistry filled conversation. Yeah. Apparently that's like that's occurring. Yeah, she declares. You know, she's like, "Hey, you, he's my boyfriend. You you can't have him." Out loud to this other guy. Uh, the mystery mm-hmm. man tells her to move and shoves her, and she falls back in very dramatic slow motion before he walks off, declaring that he will fulfill their promise to each other, and disappears in a bunch of flower petals as the arboretum returns to its normal fountain-having state. Mm-hmm. Uh, af- after he leaves, also Marmoreau, like goes back into his intense broodiness and says, Fiore, it can't be, so we got our name drop. Later that night at the shrine where Ray and her grandpa work, Ray is a shrine maiden, so she works at a shrine. Mm-hmm. They kind of use that as their like go-to hangout spot. Yeah. Um, a radio new or a, a TV news announcer helpfully exposits to us that there is a massive asteroid passing close by to Earth, making its closest approach tomorrow at 11:20 tw- p.m. So just in case you were wondering how the space was going to fit into this, we've got that covered off thanks to our news team. The girls, yep. plus their two cat mascots, Luna and Artemis, a black cat and a white cat, respectively, uh, talk about the they're asteroid. They're not mascots. They don't. Mentors. They're, 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 actually, they're like the they're they're the they're the cats in the chair. They're yeah. they're not just like uh... <laughs> Artemis. Luna was like literally the... the one who brought them all together. Yeah, I, I would say Artemis is the cat in the chair. Luna is like the mentor figure. You know what I mean? Like Luna is that like, makes I'm sense. going to train yeah. you in my own image, and Artemis is like I'm going to because he does it later in the movie. I'm going to like do some kitty hacking and show you the graphics. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Oh, Holy man. shit. Uh, so they're, they're all chatting about the asteroid, which the cats apparently noticed before CNN, so good for them. And Artemis uses his little kitty paws to do computer stuff, explaining that the asteroid <laughs> is big, but unusually lightweight. So it hitting Earth isn't a danger, but if it, like, because if it goes into the atmosphere, it'll blow, it'll burn up or whatever, which was a surprisingly mm-hmm. close enough to accurate amount of space science for this movie to have. <laughs> for Sailor Moon, I'm like, okay, yeah. you know what, that, ch- you, you have a secret kingdom on the moon, but asteroids still work the same. Good to know. Um. Yeah. But as they're discussing this, they're also like, we picked up some plant energy on the asteroid. 
which is very unusual. Um, there's mm-hmm. a little graphic of the asteroid on the screen, and everyone comments that it looks like a seed, not a rock. So if you haven't figured out on what the asteroid, the whole asteroid of it all is yet, it's <laughs> plants are a problem, people. Um, I love how, like, Mako, I think, just sort of says very offhandedly, it could be moss, mm-hmm. because that that really speaks to sort of the the standard in this version of earth mm-hmm. um where aliens are kind of an acknowledged thing such that like any sort of life at all sentient or otherwise from space is really not that big of a deal <laughs> yeah. i think cuz i'm thinking now and 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 if someone were like yeah there's an asteroid and there's moss on it i would have i would have freaked out <laughs> just been like oh Boss. There is life in space. On other words. <laughs> yeah. But no, here Mako is like, eh, could just be moss. To be fair, uh, I, I'm not quite sure where in the timeline of season two this movie necessarily fits in. I think it's after the Aelin on arc, but before they go to the yes. future, because Chibiusa is still seemingly unaware of everyone's roles well, in their I life. Think it's, I think it might actually be like after the events of. You know, after the big events of sort of the second arc of season mm. two, but before Chibiusa goes back to her, goes back to her time. Before they go back because, to the future, but yeah. after she arrives, kind of situation. Yeah, because like, like a big, a big, uh, sort of overarching plot line in the latter half of season two is that uh, Usagi and Mamoru are not together. Right. For reasons that eventually become explained later on in the season. Mamoru has a lot here of they are together. ominous prophetic dreams, which is not an exception. It's no exception to that in this movie either. Uh, but it yeah. causes him to do a lot of questionable things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that timeline makes sense, roughly. Uh, but you know, kind of for why it's relevant is uh, in the beginning of season two, their first set of villains that they fight are these two aliens yeah. called Ale and An, who look an awful lot in design like the villain of this movie. Um, and they are kind of like plant people. So that sort of, for me, explains why Makoto would be like, eh, plants are out in space. We, that's, that's a known Mm -hmm. quantity. We fought a bunch of space plants like last week, you know? Um, so that's my reading of it. But also I just love the idea of she's like, meh, moss man. (laughs) It's out there. It's, if it's boring on earth then it's boring in space. Mm Mm-hmm. What's next? Who am I punching next? (laughs) Truly Makoto has, um, a one- one one train of thought i lost my own train of thought as i was trying to say that makoto and minako they seem very nonplussed by this whole thing but as the girls are sort of discussing the imminent asteroid threat the voice of usagi asking if she's overreacting pulls them to attention where usagi is laying under a nearby table stressing out about marmoro's mysterious Mm -hmm. ex from flowerland uh, and Ray takes the opportunity to mess with her by talking about how serious their conversation was, and it seemed real. Um, and as they sort of discuss it, uh, they kind of go over some information the audience might need to know. Like, Marmoro has a bit of a mysterious backstory prior to meeting Usagi and the gang, and she doesn't know much about him. Uh, and Ami immediately is like, you know what? It makes sense that he's popular <laughs> with the guys, too. <laughs> and then they discuss, yeah. like... It's okay to be gay for a while in the background while Usagi just, like, fully yeah. zones out. Uh. Like, everyone has their own, like, contributions. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who says what, but there's, like, I I know there are a couple of people in my school who are in, like, similar relationships or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Mako, uh, true to form, is like, hey, did I ever tell you about the guy who broke my heart? <laughs> Truly. <laughs> because she's... She... <laughs> <laughs> she's got a guy You're who broke her heart for mind, every situation. Yeah, yeah um... like, the... <laughs> yeah. 
the cats kind of bemoan the end of the Sailor Scout meeting as the girls continue to talk about uh, whatever their hearts desire. Um, and we, we flash back in Usagi's mind to a picture of Marmoro and his parents who tragically died in a car accident when he was young, mm-hmm. uh, leaving him to grow up alone. And he, she's like, you're not alone anymore. We're family now, yada, yada, yada. Uh, back at mm-hmm. girls' night, Usagi heads outside to stare at the sky, where far, far off, a dandelion spore from space is slowly descending towards Earth. It flies yes. through the streets of Tokyo, landing in a patch of grass and taking root, sprouting into a pink, kind of like lily-looking flower. It's very mm-hmm. pretty, but ominous. The next day, the girls are all heading to school, as they go, uh, Ray senses an evil aura because Ray kind of has like yeah. just superpowers outside of being a Sailor Scout. She's like psychic. Yeah, yeah. She can sense evil auras and things like that. It's funny because like one of the one of the distinct like attacks that she has as Sailor Mars is something that she just innately has as a psychic. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, it's like some sort of exorcism type thing where she places like a seal on the enemy's forehead and. It deals some amount of damage to them. Yes, they take uh, like two D6. Which I think is very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sensing said evil aura, the gang runs off, leaving Chibiusa behind as she falls and trips because she is a good, what, four-year-old child or something like that. They round the corner of a nearby street and see scores of people laying on the ground. Something has taken their energy. Um, Every single villain in the show just tries to absorb energy. (laughs) That's all you need to know about that. It's... the the thing that I've noticed is that all of the all of the villains have been aliens. They've been extra. Mm-hmm. They've been not of Earth. Um, Extraterrestrial, and, one might say. Yeah, and for whatever reason, the only currency that's like that they even care about <laughs> is is energy. The life soul I of people. I hate for whatever reason. how you were you phrasing it like that. Immediately made me realize that this and Jupiter Ascending have the same main conflict because that is also a movie about <laughs> aliens stealing the life and. I hate that. I can't no! believe that Sailor Moon no! ripped off Jupiter Ascending. Absolutely That's... not. Oh my goodness. No. Oh, now you're going to tell me that that transformation me. sequence that Usagi does, that's also ripped off from somewhere else? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so the girls set about finding the cause of the missing energy, and as they do, one of the bodies grabs Minako's ankle, who promptly roundhouse mm-hmm. kicks him. Go, Minako. Uh, suddenly, all the bodies start to rise, now pale green and covered in these freaky vines like plant zombies, and start surrounding the scouts. We, we get some helpful Ami info dumps throughout this fight, including the plants are using people like puppets. Uh, mm. Makoto begins to fight back with her very special power, punching, and Rei does too with her also special power, being a shrine maiden, <laughs> and exercises yeah. the plants as Ami hacks the plants because that's her very special power, revealing um, that the source of their energy is that mysterious pink flower that sprouted out a scene ago, and as she's looking at it, <laughs> it sprouts like mech legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> This shot, this shot really hurt me. It sprouts like mech legs. The flower does, and it jumps out of yeah. the soil. And it, as as it leaps from the ground, Chibiusa appears. Um, and the flower, which now also has a mouth, goes to to attach itself to Chibiusa. But Usagi tackles the child out of the way, and they go tumbling through a glass window of a nearby cafe or what have you, and out of the fight for the next minute or so. Yeah, it that that canonically takes Usagi out for like a good portion of, yeah. of the fight to come. <laughs> yeah. Uh the flower turns into a blue lady monster. Uh Sailor Moon is often a very monster of the week kind of show. This like 
vaguely a woman monster type is not too uncommon for the show. She's got like the mm-hmm. lower half is still the flower mech, and then the top of her is just like a woman who's blue. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't yeah, recall. I don't but know. does this, does this monster have sort of like? Does this monster follow Pokemon rules where it can only just say its name or one thing? She just or sort of like, like laughs a lot. Like she just has like a mm, very mm. high pitched manic laugh, and that's how she responds to everything. She's just laughing the whole time. Okay. Um, All right. She begins her assault on Ray and Ami, pinning them to the wall and starting to drain their energy. And Makoto and Minako take the opportunity to transform into sailors Jupiter and Venus, each with their very own theme, mm-hmm. which is a departure from the show. Yeah. They had their own little like, ooh, sailor Jupiter theme, you know. Um, yeah, they like actually sing their names out. Yeah. Um, it was very, very, f- I, I, I was like, that's a fun little musical element to add for the movie version. You know, you don't have time for that every episode of the show. So it's yeah. fun to have it here when you do have the time to kill on everyone getting the transformation sequence. It's interesting too, because I'm pretty sure that by season three, they keep that trend going. Mm-hmm. Cause it's either just like, like they kept those audio files and just like <laughs> use them for like subsequent well, episodes. Well, we already commissioned or they were them, just so like, just throw them into yeah. the anime. It's fine. No, 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 no care. <laughs> Yeah, we noticed. We care. We noticed. We think it's great. In 2022, two, <laughs> two children were like, you know what we know? We know facts about this 90s anime series. We are uh, grown adults. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm a child at heart. Uh, that's why I'm using a podcast platform to talk about Sailor Moon R of the movie Promise of the Rose from 1993. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Venus uses her mysteriously not an elemental attack. It's like Venus love me chain. It's yeah. the only one that's not like either the moon or an element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So each, each, um, each sailor scout. They call them sailor guardians, but I don't know. I'm used to saying sailor scouts. There's some each sailor scout though, has yeah. like an, an element that's associated with them. Um, Usagi, Usagi and Venus are probably, moon and Venus are probably the most vague, but mm-hmm. Mercury is water. Mars is fire, Jupiter is thunder, Venus is love, Moon is also love, but, like, with, like, some royalty added in, I guess. Yeah, Moon is, like, moon power. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, you get hypey anyway, so it sort of just works. Um, Jupiter, you know, uses her thunder shock, and they, they free Ami and Ray, but this plant lady just isn't dead, so it's time for Mars and Mercury to join the fight as Ray and Ami transform. Hell yeah. The girls rumble with the plant, and Chibiusa, meanwhile, is trying to rouse Usagi from her jump through a window, and she chooses to do so by stuffing napkins in her nose and covering her mouth, <laughs> suffocating Usagi, <laughs> and the shot, the way that they... <laughs> it holds <laughs> for so long. It, they hold on the wide shot of Chibiusa murdering Usagi for yeah, uh, like yeah. ten to fifteen seconds with nothing in frame moving. <laughs> I thought that the I thought it was paused. I thought I had paused the movie and I couldn't figure. I was like, something is wrong. Why is nothing moving? <laughs> uh, but finally, Usagi gasps awake. That's what you can do when you have a movie runtime instead of a TV episode. You can take your time. Again, they're padding it out. They're padding it out. (laughs) That's that's 10 (laughs) seconds you don't have to animate, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Chibiusa brings her up to speed, evil plant lady, on the attack, uh, and Usagi goes to transform, but Chibiusa interrupts her to offer thanks and encouragement in a very sweet moment of bonding before Usagi actually transforms. It's time for that iconic Sailor Moon transformation sequence. Oh, my cat. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Hey, Ziggy. I have a black cat, and it's not entirely because of Sailor Moon, but it's definitely not not because of Sailor Moon. 
I, there's no video there's no video linked with this but i guess i should describe that what essentially <laughs> happened is that sophia jumped and from behind her this like black mass with cat ears just sort of peered over her shoulder like some weird devil uh, and it fully scared sophia yeah i just felt a paw on the back of my neck and i was like oh shit I got your back there <laughs> She's left out. This is usually Ziggy's zoomy hours, so I'm surprised she hasn't been running in and out. Um, so, Sailor Moon, she's transforming. It's an iconic sequence. You all know it. It's been parodied a thousand times. Uh, there's, again, a slightly different like instrumentation on the theme. The vocals are slightly different, but it's it's the same theme that they use in the cartoon. Yeah. As she finishes up this whole sequence, the plant dodges everyone else's attack and snags the other scouts uh, with their vines. But a little moon tiara action, which we haven't seen in a while, comes to we save the day. We haven't seen it in so long. Cutting yeah. up all those vines. So Usagi, like all the other scouts, has a series of attacks. And typically they'll get a power up and then never use any of the previous attacks. Uh, and her first yeah. ever combat ability was moon tiara action, where she essentially throws a crown like a frisbee. <laughs> It's such an iconic move that by season two, when the villains are like, we got to figure out who Sailor Moon is. Uh, one of the actual plot points <laughs> is that they have this like princess academy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by this point, Sailor Moon, real- like Usagi realizes she's supposed to be the moon princess. She's like, oh, I'll go enroll in this princess academy. Uh, and one of the things is frisbee throwing. And canonically, the princess academy was set up by the villains to, and I shit you not, uh, figure out who Sailor Moon is, and they're like, she's so good at throwing tiaras, uh, so we're gonna do this frisbee throwing yes. segment to try and suss out who of these, like, uh, students is, <laughs> is Sailor Moon. It's and Usagi's actually, that's like the one thing in that entire, like, regimen that she's actually good at, <laughs> the fucking frisbee thing. Frisbee, so baby. So I missed, I missed Sailor Moon, uh, the... The moon tiara I, action. Yeah, we I, didn't see it too much I was pointing that, at yeah. the screen like an idiot, like, oh, moon tiara action when it happens. <laughs> so I, I'm with you there. Um, she gives yeah. her, every time Usagi appears in the scene, she gives her a little speech about, you know, how being a flower who, who hurts others is unforgivable or whatever. Ending with, of course, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the name of the moon, I'll punish you. And I can't pose that both of us are now doing into, even though this is a <laughs> audio-only the, format. The point. The, the double point. Point. Yep, oh. yep, yep, yep. Uh, Just knock my mic. The, the the um tone of the fight changes. The gang is in their groove now. The whole team is assembled. Ami freezes the plant. Sailor Moon goes to deliver the finishing blow as the monster is trying to break out of the ice, but it's no use. Sailor Moon is too strong, and the monster lets out a hilarious screech as it explodes in a pink cloud. <laughs> it's truly like the VO on this was... They had one mm-hmm. job, and they were like, you know what? I got this. I got this, guys. <laughs> we just give it the screech and all screeches. Uh, the gang mm-hmm. star- celebrates their victory for a moment, but uh, short-lived is that moment as who should appear on the scene in the dust before the pink dust before them but Fiore. He didn't know about the existence of the Sailor Guardians, and in maybe a first for the show, he immediately yes. recognizes Usagi, even though she's transformed. Several other. This is the second. Yeah. This is the second departure from the TV show thing that I was talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about. Uh, everyone in the TV show has fucking face blindness or whatever. Usagi has the most distinct hairstyle known <laughs> in existence: two long ass strands of hair, like bunny ears, as is mm. you know Usagi's. Japanese for rabbit uh same as Sailor Moon but it's <laughs> and no one is like 
Oh, <laughs> no one makes the connection. But this fucking alien, not even the other aliens in like it previous seasons make that connection. It doesn't even take a second. He's like, oh, you're Usagi. Yeah. I know you. You're that girl from yesterday. There were whole arcs of previous seasons where villains yeah. would do increasingly more cartoonish things to try and figure out who Sailor Moon was. And this guy rolled up and was like, I got it. I know. There, I know what's there are arcs. There are arcs where villains were disguised as students in the same school that Usagi and are friends with Usagi, but also like enemies with Sailor Moon, and just the the connection was never made. Yeah. Even Chibiusa, it's... who was frequently saved by Sailor Moon and yes! antagonized Usagi, did not realize it was her for nearly all of season two. It's this was the, the biggest departure from the show for me, and I was so thankful <laughs> that it happened because I'm like, I just, yeah, we, don't, yeah. we need to we need to keep this moving. <laughs> we hey, don't boss, need to dwell uh, on this. <laughs> the head writer is like, oh, hey, so we spent too much time lingering on Chibiusa <laughs> suffocating Usagi. Uh, we don't have enough time to do the same episode thing where uh, the villain just kind of like hems and haws around who Sailor Moon is. Nah, fuck it. Just let him know that it's Sailor Moon. Yeah. Maybe all that time spent off of Earth like kept him from the face blindness, even though every other alien that the show has ever fought <laughs> has had it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he. So he he reveals this uh, genre savviness and declares this experiment a success, transforming into his alien form. Um, he's like a green version of himself with very manic panic '80s hair, um, and on his chest there's like a brooch where a, a flower unfurls. It has a little tiny evil-looking lady in it. It's the, as Luna yeah. helpfully informs us. It's the Zenian Genian. The pronunciation of this and the spelling the of the subtitles was wild. Ksenian, I think, is what the... X-E-N-I-A-N. It's spelled with an X, yeah. Yeah. Ksenian, I think, is what they say it as. Yeah, it's the Ksenian flower. Um, Inside the Ksenian flower, the little flower lady is like, we gotta eliminate these nuisances, so she's definitely bad. Uh, and Fiori smacks the scouts around until only Usagi is left standing. He's like... I'm going to make this one hurt since you decided to hurt Marmoro and goes on the attack. But a well-timed Rose throws him off his rhythm as we, <laughs> you and I both know where as we cut to. <laughs> Wait, okay, so, so we okay. should preface. How does how does Tuxedo Mask <laughs> usually make his entrance? So usually how he makes his entrance is he throws a rose, there's a shot of like a like little crackling effect in a rose going down, and then we cut to a shot of Tuxedo Mask almost always standing on something tall as his theme plays in the background, mm -hmm. right? So, so it's never it's never mundane <laughs> it's in any way. Mundane. It's never it's always like he 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 makes the effort before he makes mm -hmm, himself known mm -hmm. to be in the most drum in the in the in the position like logistically and location wise for the to the most drama strategically for the yes. most drama. Yes. And so and so <laughs> this is gonna be really hard to get through because it is the funniest part of the movie. So we cut from the rose thrown shot. We see Fiore's face, and then we cut. To a stationary shot of like a billboard advertising a tuxedo sale, and the I thought the it was figures, a storefront. I thought it was a storefront so of like just mannequins. See later. Um, I see. Okay. <laughs> the one of the one of the tuxedo wearing figures in the front has a conspicuous mask and cape, and he steps. <laughs> he steps forward out of him in front of the sign to reveal that it's tuxedo it's always mask. it's always a fun <laughs> exercise putting oneself in mamaru's head 
being like, oh, hmm, my girlfriend and, like, the person I'm destined to be with is getting her ass kicked. There's this billboard over here. I'm like, oh, I've been wanting to do this for so many times. There's been... This billboard has been up ever since I was I... Tuxedo Mask. No monster has ever made it stand here. This is my chance. I'm going to stand and, in front of here. And not okay. only does he has he had to have been standing very still waiting there from a yeah. lot of this fight yeah. to have been able to pull this off. But he steps. I know yeah. it's a billboard because he steps off of it and onto the top of a telephone pole or like a street light. Oh, maintaining okay. Maintaining his go-to move of always having the high ground. God damn it. I didn't um, even realize. It was so. <laughs> this is. I rewatched this like ten seconds. It, it took me double the time to get to the movie of getting through this movie normally because I take notes when I'm watching these movies, so I pause a lot. Yeah, I yeah, wasted yeah. so much time just replaying this. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching this, I watched this before Sophia did, and I was like, "Sophia, you're gonna you're gonna fucking love this. <laughs> it's gonna it's hit all of the marks." It's, it's uh, that we keep ragging on about in Sailor Moon, which really means that we are basically just parroting the exact same things mm-hmm. that the original watchers of the anime would like say. And then by the time the movie came around, they were like, we're going to fit in everything that the audience loves when watching Sailor Moon. And the fact that it's held up for like uh, 30 years at this point almost uh, is fucking outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Shuxedo Mask steps out from the billboard that he was conspicuously chameleoning in with onto the street lamp that he's using as the high ground, and he delivers his flower-related monologue as he is want- Because usually his role in the anime is to show up and give some inspiring words and then leave. You yeah. know, my job here yeah. is done, but you haven't done anything. Uh, but he delivers his flower-related mm-hmm. monologue, and this time he sticks around telling Fiore that that's enough. Uh, seeing the rose Fiore puts together that this is Marmoro because Marmoro gave him a rose he's so all those good years at that. ago. He's so good at non face He's putting blindness. together, he's connecting the dots, you know? This is a villain with a brain. He has connected shit. <laughs> uh, Fiore rejoices that Marmoro didn't forget their friendship after all, uh, but Marmoro's like, why are you doing this? Uh... And Fiore's like, well, why are you wasting time with this silly girl? And I was disappointed he didn't say foolish human, but we can't have it all. Um, mm-hmm. Marmoro tries to like be like, no, you gotta believe in Usagi and the people of this planet, uh, but mostly Usagi. But before Fiore can properly respond, the flower lady chuckles ominously and her and his eyes both glow red. And he goes on the attack uh, with a sword going for Usagi but is stopped by Mamoru and his cane because all of his things yeah. are tuxedo related. So he doesn't have a sword. He just has like a cane he uses to block attacks. Yeah. It's an extending cane too, uh-huh. which is never explained. <laughs> yes. Like, like the monkey King, you know, like Sun Wukong's pillar yes. from the dragon King. He, it too. <laughs> it can only be wielded. It, by it's one just infinitely extending. <laughs> yeah. I love Tuxedo Mask, so this movie being mostly oh. about, like, his problems was really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two struggle a bit until Fiore manages to find an opening to attack Usagi with his extendo claws, but Tuxedo Mask jumps in the way, taking the hit instead, in a very painful-looking mm-hmm. sequence that once again felt like they were kind of padding for time by how long some of the shots went on. It's also... They also did this exact same thing in the first season, basically. Yeah, the first half of this movie yeah. is very much like, this is just a miscellaneous episode of, like, season one or two of Sailor Moon, and the second half is just the yeah. season one finale with a different flavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm not mad at it, but it was very no, like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen next, <laughs> just based on prior knowledge. Um, and it's great. Yeah. 
Mamoru collapses and Fiore realizes how much Mamoru must care for Usagi if he's willing to take a hit like that before teleporting Mamoru into his arms and flying off into the sky, flower pedaling away into probably the asteroid, <laughs> statistically speaking. Man's got damseled again. He got damseled again. He's always getting damseled. <laughs> it's al- he's always getting damseled. It's ha- it happens like every single time. At least this time he isn't turned into like an an, an evil thrall, a possessed yes. thrall for for the enemy. This time because Fiore just... loves him too much for that. Yes, uh, yeah. Usagi collapses in dread in the middle of the street once again, having her boyfriend literally snatched by some random alien. This is this is like a monthly occurrence at this point in their lives. I feel like they need like mm-hmm. a, like a little homing signal they can just stick onto like this, his like... his like tuxedo tailcoat or something. So they just be like, "Where's Marmoro yeah. going this time?" Ah. This poor girl. This all happened before school even started. What a yeah. rough day. Uh, we I fade know. to the next scene where tires screech and crash as a car goes over a cliff. It's the accident where Marmoro's parents tragically died. Uh, as a young Marmoro cries about how alone he is, the young version of Fiore pops into his vision to say that he'll be there with him before we smash cut to Tuxedo Mask waking up trapped in a healing crystal of some kind. It's like... Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker awakening in the mysterious medical tube before him. Yamamoto uh, is also Back suspended in some yeah, sort yeah, of liquid yeah. and trying to get magically better. Mm-hmm. He seems surprised that Fiore is real and not just like a childhood imaginary friend. And Fiore's like, it's okay, it's time for my tragic backstory. He explains that he wandered alone through space for years growing exhausted and finally landing on Earth, where a young Marmoro found him in the rain and brought him to the hospital to help him be uh, taken, you know, rejuvenated. Uh, he couldn't stay with Marmoro on Earth, though, because his body couldn't survive in Earth's atmosphere, uh, so he had to leave. Before he went, Marmoro gave him a rose, much like Tuxedo Mask would go on to do frequently, uh, to other villains as well as Fiore, and it made him so happy that he swore he would come back and return the favor and give a flower to Mamoru as well. Mm-hmm. Since he's left, he's traveled the universe looking for a worthy flower, and he finally found one: the Lady Flower, aka the Cernian, Cernian, Cernian flower. Cernian, Cernian. <laughs> I, 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 I DM you for like. I, I, I play Dungeon Masters like a while. <laughs> I should not be surprised by your inability to pronounce words. I'm surprised that you haven't uh, found some funny alternative for it. We'll, 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 we'll workshop it, you know? We'll, when we come up to it again in my notes, I'm sure we'll have some, some variant of it that we can throw out there. Corn Kernelian. Uh, yeah, uh, Xian, Xmas. Uh, when he picked it up, he X, realized X-Man. that... He- <laughs> the x-men flower uh, when you pick it up professor x shows up and tells you that you have to go to even more school now um when he <laughs> <laughs> no one's done an x-men movie on this podcast yet and that makes me really sad because those movies are a blast to talk about not mm-hmm. to watch um when he picks it up he for, re- for our for your for your second year we can do wolverine origins oh perfect yeah yeah, yeah. get another hugh jackman <laughs> flick in there uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 when fiore picked up the spooky lady flower he realized that he had to annihilate the humans who left him all alone on earth so that's not mm-hmm. good Marmoro tries to talk some sense into him, but it's clear that Fiore is, like, possessed to some degree by the Exnian flower lady, as he declares he's the only one allowed to give Marmoro flowers. <laughs> there is no God, he's such a... He's down bad. He's down he's bad. down bad. He's down so bad. 
meanwhile, <laughs> back on Earth, Makoto asks just what this Zernian, Zenian, Zekenian flower is anyway, and Artemis explains that it's a super evil plant who wants to drain the life from everything in the universe, and it's destroyed a shit ton of planets, and it's just bad news. Um, but it is still a plant, so it needs people with arms and legs that it can possess and move around in order to travel throughout the universe. And uh, once someone is possessed, their mind becomes filled with hatred. So in case you weren't sure if it was an evil flower, it's an evil flower. Um, mm-hmm. Conveniently, though, Ami has analyzed the monster energy from earlier, and it matches that of the asteroid, which means that that's the hideout of the flower. So we're wasting no time finding out what our secondary location is going to be. Mm-hmm. The scouts are all like, well, that's that. Let's teleport to the big bad up in space. But Usagi doesn't want them to because her friends could end up hurt like Marmoro. And this is sort of like a frequent um, holdup of Usagi's in season finales and things like that. Her biggest strength yeah. as a character is also her Achilles heel in that she cares extremely deeply for her friends and her loved ones since she doesn't want them to get hurt because of her. So sometimes she wants to avoid the fight entirely in order to avoid the one she cares about getting hurt. Um, it's very sweet, honestly. Yeah. Just because, like, throughout the anime, and even, like, to an extent in this movie, Usagi has been portrayed as, like, this really clumsy, sometimes inept, uh, mm-hmm. you know, person. But, like, the thing that's always been unwavering about her is, like, the love that she carries for, you know, other people. Yeah. Uh, and just how effortlessly she, like, sort of expresses that to others. Uh, I think it's just really sweet. Just, like, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I'm there with you. I think it get it together. Her... You know that they're capable. Yeah, exactly. And they're I capable. think it makes her a more yeah. interesting protagonist than like your generic, I just have to be brave kind of character. Because it's, you know, mm-hmm. no one wants to see their loved ones get hurt. I think it's a very real sense, a source of like stress and distress. Um, even if, I you would know... say also, she kind of, yeah. Yeah. No, please. She, she gets a pass too, because... Uh... Are we doing spoilers for the, Look, the premise Sailor of, Moon? If you anime? haven't seen Sailor Moon at this point, it's been coming out since like the 1990s. It's things have gotten spoiled. <laughs> well, uh, spoilers, I suppose, for season one of Sailor Moon. Uh, Sailor, the Sailor Scouts fully die uh, in this final battle or whatever, mm-hmm. and Usagi has to do like some Deus Ex Machina shit to bring them back to life, but at the cost of having their memories wiped. Of mm-hmm. having known of, ha- of of their knowledge being sailor scouts, um, so I I feel like she's she there is some yeah. ground for her to stand on being like, you know, you guys died before, don't really want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. My the love of my life uh, and past lives apparently as well uh, has been taken, so. I do feel for Usagi here in this moment. Yeah, she has very understandable motivations, even if we're like, we need you to be the hero, uh, but we're not the only yeah. ones who need her to be the hero. Chibiusa's is like, get a fucking grip, <laughs> Sailor Moon. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once again, mirroring her first uh, her first appearance in the show, yes! Yes! she uses her little toy ball robot thing to create an item, and yeah. she creates a Glock and she points it at Sailor Moon and she's like, you got to go rescue Marmoro. You can't, you can't do it if you're moping like this. And she fires it off and it this fires was... a little like suction cup dart. Uh, but the first yeah. time you see that in the series, you don't know. It's just like a toy gun. <laughs> you think that it's this child like fully, is pulling out yeah. a Glock. And if you didn't have that context all, watching yeah. the movie, there's no way to know that she's not about to just fully end. She's already tried to murder Usagi once in this movie. <laughs> of all the things in this because they definitely 
like they there was like a checklist of things mm-hmm. of like callbacks and references to the anime that they kind of had to like mark off uh, which they do emphatically uh but of the things that felt <laughs> most sort of like referency and callbacky this, this was, was it. it uh no complaints at all because it's just such so a fun funny. thing to see this is a funny Chibi, imagery this for a show that otherwise basically never tiny has ass any four-year-old like... pulls a glock out yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of guns in Sailor Moon, so when you do see one, even if it ends up being a toy, it's shocking. (laughs) The thing is, it's not, it doesn't look like a toy. It looks, there's no, it's not even like a, it's not even like an airsoft gun where there's like a yellow or an orange tip or whatever at the end. It's just a full, full, like, like, just like a, it's like they they drew this. They made an executive decision to draw it like a real gun. Yeah, they're like, get the Gundam guy, (laughs) tell him to draw us one frame of a gun, and then we'll just copy that. Um... (laughs) But all the scouts are like, she's right, you know, we gotta we gotta rescue him, and we can't do it if you're like this. So it's like, okay, yep, rescue time. Gang's all here. Usagi's, Usagi's back in action. Uh, the girls mm-hmm. gather together to Sailor Scout teleport, leaving Chibiusa, Ele- Artemis, and Luna behind. And the last times we've seen them use this, like, teleportation ability, they've sort of literally just, like, poofed to locations. But this time when they use mm-hmm. it, they, like get a spaceship orb around them and then they like fly up into the atmosphere and are flying around the asteroid like a super monkey ball they super monkey ball that is literally in my notes it says they super monkey ball their way (laughs) glad glad we got that that simpatico yeah yeah one brain cell um as they fly towards the asteroid it opens up revealing a sea of pink flowers just like the ones from before laying under it over its various fragments of asteroid uh the girls Mm -hmm. are flying over the flowers as one of the flower monsters from before flies after them. Uh, so basically, Sailor Scout dogfight. It's Star Wars all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, the girls use yeah. Sailor Planet Attack, which is new. We haven't seen that before. And stop flying, yeah. having sent Flower Batty into the afterlife with a blast of magical sailor energy, whatever. This part was kind of confusing, but basically they get to the asteroid and they fight a monster. Yeah. Um, Ami runs a scan on her super cool visor that I totally think is... a valid piece of costume design but noir might disagree with it reminds me it reminds me of that one parks and rec episode where i don't remember the the context of it but ben wyatt uh tom and andy are all playing basketball and ben has like those stupid fucking like sports like clear glasses on that's like the mindset of him is like, ooh, I want to protect my eyes in a game of basketball. And that's all I can think of every time I see Ami put on her visor. I should also I say, the, uh, the notes on the visor are in German for huh. some reason. I don't, yeah. That's strange. My only guess, my only guess is that, like, it was, it's, it was for the dub. Um, mm. And they were like, we need it to look, we need it to be in, like, the English alphabet, but we don't want it to actually say stuff. So what's, like, the, what's, like, the 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 closest what's like the middle ground between it being like looking like actual words but it actually being gibberish let's just do it in german <laughs> yeah that makes i mean that makes sense to me it just like looks foreign and cool um stupid i visor. love the visor i think that it is peak character design and i get so excited whenever ami uses it because she doesn't always have it on during the episodes so when she does it like, it's just slides. another way for her to do the same thing that she always does she, she already has hand like one of the what, and then it syncs with the she, that was like one of the that was like distinctly one of the it's tools beautiful. that are just for her <laughs> that's like aside from aside from she is the only sailor scout aside from sailor moon who has like uh 
a, a bespoke instrument that is for her, and it's this dumbass calculator oh, thing. I love it so and much. then they, she also gets a visor, which is basically just the same thing as the calculator, she has except to apparently scan like the VR. Someone has to be able to say uh-huh. that their power levels are over nine thousand, and in this case, it's Ami. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> she uses her super cool visor to basically computer enhance uh, the scene that they're looking at and sees that the crystal is nearby and inside <gasps> it's Mamoru. Usagi goes to run to her boy, but Makoto is worried that it could be a trap. But before they can game out that sort of train of thought, Fiore just appears in front of them because he's like, we don't, we don't need to run through this. It's not a trap. He's like... I love... Yeah, I love the, like, the, the one very distinct characterization is that Fiore does very much care for Mamoru. Mm-hmm. Whether or not those feelings... I do think that there is like very overt romantic yes. uh, text. It's not subtext. It's romantic text here. Mm-hmm. And so like for him to be like, no, it's not a trap. I would never use Mamoru for, the, for a trap. Just being like, well, all right. <laughs> you're a villain with morals. Yes. He's... You're not even a villain. You're being possessed, but you still have morals. Mm-hmm. Your love mm-hmm. for Mamoru overpowers that of that weird flower lady thing. So yes, I thought that was a cool little like moment. Yeah, he's a, he's a, I hesitate to say interesting villain because he is still sort of just like a one-off movie villain. No. But he yeah. has <laughs> motivations that I more or less am always clear on. And I appreciate that because it mm-hmm. like doesn't mean, it means you don't have to get bogged down in the whole questioning like why stuff is happening you're just like okay i know why this dude's doing what he does so i can just kind of roll with the action um yeah fiore's like i'll return marmoreau to earth just not yet first this asteroid is gonna plant seeds all over earth and cover the planet in these pink flowers draining all of humanity's energy in the process <laughs> uh, having revealed his evil scheme fiore exits as ami realizes that they're surrounded by monsters the flowers <gasps> They're all monsters, thousands of them. Mm-hmm. One by one, the spooky blue ladies start to rise up from the flowers around them, surrounding the scouts. Venus is like Sailor Moon. The only option is to use Moon Princess Halation to clean the entire asteroid, while the rest of them back her up using all of their fun area of effect attacks. They seem to be doing yeah. okay, and Fiori is like, ooh, that's not good, so we gotta change some strats here. And all the plant ladies come together to form one mega plant monster that looks like a really big root wave. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this wave of plants. And it's like weirdly animated because you I wouldn't want to animate like a billion flowers or whatever. Ooh. So it's just it's like it's this really textured wave essentially that kind of yeah. chases after the scouts. Mm-hmm. It it uh it goes at to attack the scouts and they all push Sailor Moon out of the way as they're covered by the evil roots, thus sacrificing themselves mm-hmm. to save their friend. She tries to dig them out quite desperately. The music changes to the tragic Sailor Moon themes that sometimes play at the darkest hours of the season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's slower the slower Sailor Moon theme and also played on like a piano with the only like note being uh sadly or something like that with sadness <laughs> is like the 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 feeling indicator i suppose yes. uh yeah. she tries to dig them out and fiori's like you're a coward for abandoning your friends who just sacrificed themselves to save you and totally uh, against your behest uh, and she goes to attack him but fiori pulls her friends out by the roots they're alive but barely uh and he's like drop your weapon or else i'll kill the other sailor scouts they all take the opportunity to be like, no, 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 you know what you have to do. Save the world, not us, yada, yada, yada. It's the season one finale with less pomp and circumstance. Um, Sailor Moon, doing the only thing that Usagi can, drops the moon stick and tearfully tells Fiore that he wins. She doesn't want to lose them again. 
She the thing she cares about the most is saving her friends and her loved ones, and she's true to that here. Uh, this action surprises Fiore, who grabs his head, struggling in a battle in his mind as the scouts are freed. Like this doesn't compute. The flower told me that she's evil and doesn't care about people. He's like, what's with these humans? But the flower lady is having none of it, and she's like, no, 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 I was right. Sailor Moon is selfish. She's stealing Marmoro from you. Uh, and as she's sort of going through this, Fiore gets a power of friendship slash possession power up, because he cares. That he gets the power up because he's concerned about Marmoro and also because he's possessed. It's a weird use of the, it's mm. a weird moment of, like, the villain using the power of friendship in big old air quotes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And he's now wearing a crazy crimson onesie with, like, arms all over it. He's literally got, like, a hand right. on his chest. It's freaky looking. Um, meanwhile, Tuxedo Masks busts out of his crystal prison. <laughs> and then we cut away from him, having realized that he's escaped. Uh, yeah. Fiore captures Sailor Moon and is stealing her energy with a bunch of flower hands, all while monologuing about loneliness and how she doesn't know loneliness, but he knows loneliness. He was born in loneliness, molded by it, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> As he does, <laughs> Ami flashes. Do it in the voice. Do it in the band voice. <laughs> I was moved by. I can't do band. <laughs> 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 oh, you do your band voice, Noir. I want to. I want to hear your oh. impression. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I was. I was gonna rag on you for just using your hand, but then I realized that I was gonna do the exact same thing. Uh, Sophia. Sophia just covered her mouth with her hand uh, to kind of get that like vaguely echoey thing. Uh, now is not the time for fear, Doctor. <laughs> that comes later. Yes, yes. The fact that my voice is a little hoarse actually this works really, in that. Oh, was this so. secretly why we had to we had to wait for you to lose your voice before we recorded the podcast so that you could do a good Bane impression yeah, when we got to this part I, of the plot summary? The only, I, have, I usually have so many post-it notes on my desk from like research and work and like D&D notes and stuff like that. I took them all out. The only note that I have, <laughs> like not even all, like on the border of the computer, uh-huh. right smack dab in the middle of the screen is fit in Bane impression somewhere. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's what I expect from all of my guests, frankly. As yeah. he's kind of monologuing about his loneliness, each of the scouts has gone to flashback to a moment in their life when they were alone. Ami flashes back to studying mm-hmm. alone with people being like, oh my god, she's such a teacher's pet. Yeah, yeah she's so weird. We don't want to go hang out with her. Makoto flashes back to people talking about how violent she is because, I mean, her superpower is basically punching good. Uh, and she will fight She's for like people She's like this really who, tall, intimidating yeah. person. If yeah. you if you come correct, you will get corrected with Makoto. And I that's why she's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Minako yeah. flashes back to people correctly guessing that she's a superhero, but then being like, ha impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Which I found very funny because it's like, well, yeah, like she's alone. But yeah. I think the loneliness thing fits a little less for her. Um yeah. It works here for the sake I, like, of what they needed, but it was very funny that like there her is, tragic there backstory. Is an episode. <laughs> is there is an episode that actually like delves more into Yeah. Yeah. There there is an episode that delves more into like Sailor Venus's backstory. Mm-hmm. And I think the loneliness thing does work for that if you do know that context. Yeah. But here where they just kind of like very hastily try to explain it, uh, so that it can still be like its own self contained mm-hmm. movie. Uh Falls a little short because that could, the same could be said for all of them, mm-hmm. but it, it still works. Yeah, it, it fills it in. And a Ray flashes back to being uh, working as the Shrine Maiden and hanging out with her crow friends while a, bunch, <laughs> while a bunch of people like talk in the background about how she's so powerful as a psychic and like really her life is kind of great. But <laughs> like, so basically, you just 
living the dream. Yeah. You have these crow buddies. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, like they, they they very much make it. The movie makes it seem like it's a weird thing to be a psychic. They say like that's creepy, which for one thing, they say that's creepy as Ray is like has a crow on her yes. shoulder and she's like all buddy buddy with it. And my first <laughs> thing was like, yeah, that's a pretty fair fucking assessment. Uh, but also, yeah, having psychic powers is pretty cool. Mm. And I think I wouldn't be making fun of Ray. Yeah. I wouldn't be making fun of the psychic because they're es- pretty sure the psychic would know what I'm Especially saying. Especially because yeah. the lead up to them making fun of her was basically saying, like, she always knows where your lost keys are. And I'm like, that just sounds like my ideal friend. Because yeah. as someone with my, ADHD, my first thought, I lose my keys constantly. Yeah. If I had a psychic friend who always knew where my keys were, even when I didn't, I would never get locked out of my apartment again. <laughs> My first thought was that they were going to say she claims to be a psychic, but in reality, she's she like steals the keys mm. and then gives them back pretending to be a psychic or whatever. Too complex but for no, like again, 10 seconds. Too complex, too complex. <laughs> My mistake. Never put me on the writing team of a Sailor yes. Moon episode. I, uh, forgive me. God forbid. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Fiore goes to end it all as the scouts beg for Usagi's life because if they hadn't met her, they'd all be alone. Uh, but this doesn't compute with the new and improved powered-up Fiore, and he goes for a killing blow, but none of his attacks land. Instead, he gets a rose to the chest, courtesy of Tuxedo Mask. He is once more given Fiore a rose. Uh, Fiore stumbles back, the flower trying to talk him, you know, out of faltering, but this time she can't snap him out of it. Marmoro just attacked him, his only friend, and as he realizes this, all of the flowers disappear from the asteroid and the earth is saved. The asteroid starts to break apart and change course, falling to earth. But as we were helpfully informed at the top of this movie, it's not really a threat to the planet so much because it's going to just burn up in the atmosphere. Uh, but Fiore, who has no chill, refuses to let the Sailor Scouts escape with unscathed because if he can't have Marmoro, no one can, which is a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, the scouts don't have enough power to teleport once again. They're doomed to fall to Earth with the asteroid. The flower lady is totally fine with this plan, because even if Fiore dies burning up in the atmosphere, she can still make the Earthlings suffer, which I guess... Yeah. I thought that plants were susceptible to fire, because that's what Pokemon led me to believe, but it seems that maybe she that's what I was by thinking. different rules. That was my thought, like, uh... If they, if Artemis established at the beginning of the episode that objects of, uh, you know, lighter mass mm-hmm. burn up upon entering the Earth's atmosphere, you'd think that plants would burn up faster than the asteroid that it was on. You'd think. But I guess because it's like space flowers. Well, she's the Kernian, Cernian, Zernian, Curian flowers. Colonial. So maybe she's powerful. Colonial flowers. Yeah, 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 that one. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately for Freaky Flower Lady, Usagi isn't dead just yet. She's going to try and use the power of the silver crystal to save them all somehow. The silver crystal frequently yeah. comes with drawbacks such as possible death. Uh, the scouts are not hype about this. They're like, we don't want you to use the crystal Usagi because if you do it, you'll die. Um, which is a pretty mm-hmm. common problem every time she uses the silver crystal, but somehow she's still alive and kicking today. Before she can fully use it, however, Fiore grabs the crystal as it emerges from her brooch, uh, stopping her and nearly untransforming Usagi, which I really like the way they do this mm-hmm. effect because when she transforms, she has these like pink ribbons wrap all over her. And as yeah. she's sort of like yeah. half transformed here, she's just like a, a sea of streamers coming off of her. <laughs> like the hands of a thousand because, yeah. blow up guys. <laughs> I love that because that means that 
the transformation that we see isn't just like through the through the, like the lens mm -hmm. of it being a TV show. Like for whatever reason, like if if I were in the Juban district of Tokyo watching yeah. Sailor Moon transform, the lights would be all rainbowy. She would turn into a silhouette. Rain ribbons would start to fly off as she transformed. Like this is a this is a diegetic thing apparently in the Sailor Moon universe. Yeah. I think that's a neat little touch. And it's just a cool piece of animation, too. Like, visually, it's very interesting yeah. to look at because there's a lot of moving stuff, and it's more colorful than the mm -hmm. brown asteroid is otherwise. Um, yeah. She tries to appeal to Fiore, promising that he won't be alone anymore, and activates the crystal. And we flash back to young Mamoru, this time with a young, suspiciously similar to Usagi-looking kid walking up and comforting him as he reveals that he's crying because his friend has to leave. Little Usagi is like, it's, you know, sorry about your friend, but it's a special day. My little brother was just born. Here's a bouquet of flowers. You can have one to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And hands him a rose. Fiore, an adult, sees this flashback play out and realizes that the rose wasn't just from Marmoro. Technically, if you follow the trading sequence, it was from Sailor mm -hmm. Moon. He lets yeah. go of the silver crystal and sees that it has become flower-shaped. And as he relents, the flower lady is destroyed because I guess she was not as atmosphere-proof as she thought. And Fiore turns into a cloud of glitter. <laughs> Sailor Moon refocuses, retransforms, now into Princess Serenity, which is sort of like her moon princess form in a white dress, uh, and activates the silver mm -hmm. crystal, swearing to protect her friends no matter what. Uh, Marmoro... Because they're still, they're still falling yeah, from the atmosphere. Still, this is right? all happening yeah. while they are rapidly descending through the atmosphere on a meteorite falling back to Earth because... Like about to burn up and shit yeah, like yeah. that. Like the Fiore might be gone, but there's still Death is nature imminent. to deal with. There's a lot of yes, problems. Yes, yes. They can't just like sail her orb away again. Now retransformed, she's, you know, trying to activate the silver crystal. Marmoro and her friends rally around her with Marmoro transforming into his Prince Endymion. <laughs> Endymion. I've only ever heard Endymion. it. Endymion. I've heard it in the sub so many times, it's really hard to, like, think of how it sounds. <laughs> just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaker voice. Into his Endymion fit, and the scouts all rally around Usagi. It's very end of season one. They're all going to return to Earth together come hell or high water. As they fall out of the sky, they all flash back to the good times they've all had together. <laughs> Which is never a good sign. And the asteroid burns up around them until there's just enough left for them to ride on. They combine their power, and the silver crystal shatters. On Earth, Chibiusa and the cats watch the sky, and Chibiusa describes Sailor Moon as everyone's mom, which is very funny post-season two when you know who Chibiusa's mom actually is. This is why I think this is why I think this this takes place like in a like technically during before season two ends. Mm -hmm. Because I believe by the end of season two, we see Chibiusa return back to the future. Yeah. But I think after the whole instance in which they deal with that main threat, but before Chibiusa returns to the future, I think in that weird like middle time that's never yeah. actually shown in the anime is when this movie takes place. Which is really funny in context because they like did this like really, really, uh, really dangerous mission. <laughs> They went to the future and shit like that. And then here's just like this guy. Uh, <laughs> it's like, By it's very way, much I'm like you finish the problem for a two days. <laughs> it's very much like, uh, I guess I'll do another D&D &D reference because mm -hmm. why not? It's very much like the, the like you, you finish like a really dramatic story arc in a campaign or whatever. And you're kind of in that downtime between major arcs. And so like the DM is just like, mm, what's some backstory that I can dredge up for, uh. <laughs> 
for the party, you know, just like as a little treat before yeah. we actually get into the meat of the campaign again. This is an, That's what that feels this like. This is an interesting problem that often comes up with anime movies, and it's why I think some of them work really well and some of them don't work at all. Like, Full Metal Alchemist mm. movies don't really work because that is a very tight story and there's not a lot of room for, like, yeah. tangents in it. But, like, My Hero Academia is pretty much just any miscellaneous villain that wants to show up, they could fight. So having a movie where they go on a miscellaneous villain fight is not that out of place. And Sailor Moon is sitting somewhere in the middle. Season 2's second arc is a particularly weird place to put it because you have a lot of characters who kind of sometimes demand a little explanation, but also nobody's watching this movie mm-hmm. who hasn't seen at least some of Sailor Moon, so it's you don't need as quite as much context given. Um, yeah. I think it works pretty well, but I'm also predisposed to like any content that includes uh, Tuxedo Mask and or Robbie Damon in it, so 50-50 on whether yeah. that's <laughs> the reason. Um, on the on the asteroid, speaking of Tuxedo Mask, uh, everyone is trying to wake up Usagi after her crazy silver crystal power trip uh, because she saved them all. They're just floating on an asteroid in the atmosphere. Uh, but she's probably dead. <laughs> she's laying unconscious in the arms of her lover. Um, they all start to mourn as Marmoro hears the voice of Fiore in his mind. And Fiore gives him the flower of life, a beautiful flower containing his own energy, which he can give to Sailor Moon to save her, which he does by kissing Sailor Moon. It's true love's kiss, y'all. We all know the drill. Um, and Fiore monkey ball rolls back out into space, because I guess that's how space travel <laughs> works in this universe. He's like back to his kid form again, right? Like Yeah, he like goes in back into like child Fiore form. He's still in his alien yeah. look, but now flowerless and looking like a little kid again. Mm-hmm. Following True Love's Kiss, Usagi wakes up. She's not dead. Tearful group hug. And they're still in space. Roll credits. Like, that's it. The movie. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's the yeah. cut off of the movie. <laughs> I love how it's just like, like they fucking, they fucking survived an asteroid like entering the atmosphere. They're now well within like Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're breathing oxygen. We don't have to get into the details on how they survived don't the impact or how they, they didn't down. impact yet. They're still up. They're just not falling anymore. It's n- they're so particular about the signs of asteroids yeah. in the TV like background uh, plot dump, and then they just like, I mean, it's fine. So we we had our emotional Man. denouement. We don't need to we don't need to dwell on the mechanics <laughs> of this asteroid anymore. Ugh, but that that is the end of the movie. We've we've successfully yeah. reached the end of Sailor Moon R the movie colon Promise of the Rose from 1993. <laughs> Woo! What yeah. a trip! I had fun watching. What a it. trip! I assume you did it's, too. It's honestly really great. It's very much like I don't know what the I don't know what the timeline of this was, but it's very much like, hey, uh Sailor Moon ended up being like an extremely popular anime, even within like the first couple of years of it coming mm-hmm. out. Let's fucking make a movie about yeah. it. Uh and let's just include as many references as we can. It's gonna be, you know, its own self contained story. It, it's like it could it basically functions as its own episode, mm-hmm. but instead of like a villain that sort of you know, keeps its stay for multiple episodes. It's just like this one-time villain with an uncharacteristic uh, tie uh, to, to, to one of the characters. Yeah, uh, I feel like... I, I, I thought it was a great time. What an interesting way to bring up Marmoro's backstory while not necessarily actually resolving any of Marmoro's backstory. Because he, obviously his parents tragically <laughs> yeah. died in a, in a freak car accident where only he survived. Um, <laughs> There's still so much to learn about so Marmoro, much... which I don't think what, we ever do. How... 
I have so many questions about the logistics of how a child cared for himself all the way through his adult life. What? How? <laughs> we don't have time to get into it. But that was a question that dwelled on me. And this movie answered none of those questions, but did Wait. give him more backstory. Yeah. Because wasn't there like a little like, it wasn't a flat, it was like a recent flashback or something like that, where like Mamoru and Usagi were like alone together, but it's like staged and like even colored the exact same way as like his child mm-hmm. flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So like he lived in the exact same apartment from a child to when we he was an adult. We see him in the hospital as a child and then his apartment just suspiciously looks like a hospital so i wonder uh, maybe his like design sense was influenced by where he spent a non-zero amount of his youth oh, that's, that's so Real sad, sad. <laughs> again yeah. they're just keep giving him more tragic backstories <laughs> so like ooh, ooh, what if we added a little bit more sprinkle of fun into that he has all the prophetic tragic yeah. dreams throughout all the seasons like everyone everyone who's plagued by nightmares every time it's gonna be marmoreau it's that's why he gets the pass on like having the greatest entrances to the fights of all time because like you know what if he you deserves you it. deserve a little drama that's like on your terms yeah um but Re- really makes me wonder <laughs> if the other two movies cuz there're two uh, there are two yeah. other like movies that are set within this universe uh i haven't seen them cuz we need to finish season 3 first yes. in order to get to them Whew. uh i wonder if they are also uh <laughs> based on Mamoru. i don't think so but i, I would know. love if just every movie was just like adding more to Marmoro's backstory but explaining nothing mm-hmm. of what has already been described <laughs> like you just yeah. have a series of what he just thinks like... are imaginary friends but every single one of them <laughs> is just the monster of the week yeah 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 exactly um but anyway uh noir to kind of like bring us home here do you have any closing thoughts on this movie uh what what situation might you recommend our viewers watch it in if you think they should watch it i uh, i mean i i thought that it was uh, I'm going to sound very pretentious here. I think it really hits upon the themes of Sailor Moon <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's very much a show that wears, that does not, there's no subtlety, like yeah, you said. It Sailor Moon sleep. is the, she is the pretty guardian of love and justice. And literally, like, every main driving action that she does is in the name of love and or justice. Mm-hmm. In the name of uh, the and moon. And it's very much apparent here. She'll punish you. She's the pretty guardian who fights yes. for love and justice. As yeah, we're yeah, all yeah. familiar with. Uh, and that's. And that's just, like, so apparent in this movie where she's, like, she doesn't want to get her friends in danger after the love of her life has been abducted, even when they all go together and they do get, and and the other scouts do get abducted, she is very much, like, I will put my friends first, like, I will, I will acquiesce to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do love that the thing, sort of the antithesis of the villain is basically, like, is solved by Usagi's, you know, just, uh philosophy in life because there's like a flashback i believe there's like a flashback scene or whatever i think you mentioned this where uh sort of to to contrast the flashback scenes that each of the sailor scouts get Mm -hmm. of them all being alone or whatever is that uh each those individual scenes are sort of complemented and resolved by an instance of usagi sort of like being friends and compassionate with them um uh, with each like individual sailor scout and I just think that's really cool because, yeah. like, like for them to have sort of, like, written it in that way, uh, you know, I, I think it's it just it makes for a very tight movie. Uh, and I'm very pleased with it. Yeah, I would I would say, like, maybe this isn't a movie I would recommend listeners go and watch if they don't know anything no. about Sailor Moon. Because um, I, I agree yeah. with you. I think this is a really great movie at hitting on a lot of the themes of the show and a lot of what makes, I think, Usagi a really fun protagonist and that her power really is. She is both the heart of the team and also her power mm-hmm. is that 
she is just a, a kind, good person who goes out and reaches yeah. out to others while still being flawed. And I think it's a really fun kind of role model. I, I loved her as a kid, and it's a fun show to watch now as an adult. Uh, but the movie might not be the best entry point for the series. If you're going yes. to watch anything, maybe just yeah. go back to season one and watch some of the original show. I wouldn't even say you need to watch every episode in season yeah. one because it very much gets it's it's very much monster of the week, especially mm-hmm. at the beginning in season one. Um, I'm sure there's a list somewhere that's like here are the main episodes you gotta hit. Yes, for season people one. who have put more then, thought like, into how you should watch Sailor yeah. Moon than the two of us have probably made lists about it. Um, if you have already seen Sailor Moon and you never went and watched the movies, it's it's a nice little nostalgia blast. I certainly certainly have been having a good time with it. Absolutely. Um, but that's sort of, that's the sitch. It's a, if you have a friend who likes Sailor Moon, watch it with them. We didn't for this podcast, and I regret it greatly because I think that that scene where Tuxedo Max <laughs> steps out of the bo- billboard would have sent us both spiraling. We would have, lo- we do- we would have lost our shit. We do- we- <laughs> It was, it's the Super we lose our Bowl shit every time. Mask yeah. appearances right there. Um, we lose our shit in regular episodes <laughs> when Tuxedo Mask appears. Yeah, like this would have been, this would have killed us. Would have, this would have been fatal. Dead on, dead on arrival. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. Noir, thank you for coming back one year later to this uh, nonsense show. Thank you for oh, picking absolutely. a movie that wasn't Rubber for the second. I was genuinely a little worried that you were going to pick Rubber again. Because I haven't ever established oh. a rule that says people can't repeat <laughs> movies, and I was like, if anyone's going to, <laughs> if anyone's going to well, u- abuse that loophole, it's going to be Noir. Uh, I well, I don't think I would ever do that because I've already seen Rubber like <laughs> two and a half times, and I think that's two and a half times more than anyone Very really fair. needs to see Very it. Very fair. Uh, next year I will do Cats 2019, though. Understandable, and frankly, as you should. <laughs> But Noir, thank yeah. you for thank you for coming back. This has been a delight. Uh, if people want more yeah. from you, where can they find you? Uh yeah, I guess I have a Twitter at NoirGalaxies <laughs> at twitter.com. <laughs> I don't I don't do I don't it's I'll be real, it's really just sort of a, another branch of the Rolling with Difficulty podcast, which uh if you haven't heard, is a really oh. cool podcast that me and another friend of the podcast, Austin, and another friend of the podcast read. The entire Rolling with Difficulty podcast, cast Wally. has been guests on this podcast in the last two months. <laughs> which wasn't necessarily intentional, yeah. but I'm glad as the producer of both shows that it worked out that way. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Sophia has been the mastermind of both of those podcasts and it's been a really great time. Uh check out check it out if you don't know of it but I'm sure that people have. Yeah, we'll put so. links to all of Noir's stuff in the show notes below. Uh, and uh, we're... The one stuff. It's just the one thing. There's one thing, and I guess we'll... I don't know. We'll link Rolling with Difficulty again. Um, yeah. We're off. I'm going to go harass my cat a little bit because she has been going crazy mm. in the hallway. And uh, I suppose both of us I'll are off to fight for impression. love and justice. Yeah, I will, mm-hmm. I will whip my cape around and make our exit. <laughs> my work here is done. But you didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't... thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of movie struck we'll be back on march 7th to talk about hot fuzz but if you have any questions comments or concerns for the podcast before then feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com if you enjoyed the show please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform and for more from our guest noir be sure to check out the links to his socials and content in the show notes below